you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to the, uh, the, the book of Psalms, and we'll be in Psalm 118, um, and I want to speak to you this morning on uh, this very subject. The, one of the things I struggle with, and yet at the same time, it's one of the things that I realize brings me great joy and, uh, and happiness and fulfillment when I can do this, and that is simply to stay in the day. To be able to, uh, I got a couple of uh, images in my mind when I think of this uh, passage or think of this thought that I want to share with you. One is, you're, you, you got a friend who's about to faint and you don't want them to go unconscious and you're sort of smacking them lightly and telling them, stay with me, stay with me. In other words, stay here. The other is you're wringing out uh, a rag or a, a cloth and you're wringing it out for everything that's in it. That's what I want to do with every day. I don't want to get to the end of the day and, to have, and not to have paid attention to the blessings. I want to get out of every, everything that's to be get, gotten out of a day, I want to be able to get it out of a day. The only way to do that is to stay present in the day. The passage that I want to share with you, and we'll have just a second of, uh, just a couple of minutes sort of a Bible study, but it's in Psalm 118. Uh, Psalm 118 is actually, it's, it's sort of like a book within a book. It actually is Psalm 113, they say. Uh, and th- through Psalm 118 is a book within itself called the Egyptian Halil, which is the, uh, the praise of the Egyptians. It, it was years after they got out of Egypt, but then they recounted these times. And so uh, what it meant to the, that original crowd when they heard it. First thing is, the, the book of Psalms itself is not written by one person. It wasn't written in one setting. It spans over a thousand years. Mostly, we attribute most verses to David. Moses wrote, we know at least one, uh, probably uh, others than that. And there were other folks who, uh, and, and, and what it is, it's poetry and songs that the Jewish people used. And it was a way, if you can imagine, back before the time to where most everybody could read it was a way to pass down what God had done. So it was like a, it's, it's like a song, a history in songs, right? And so it was a way to teach the children. We read it sometimes because we're reading it from English, and sometimes maybe it doesn't rhyme just right. Or, and, and it's not that everything has to rhyme in it, but it had much more of a beautiful cadence uh, when, you, when it's spoken in Hebrew, and that's the way they would have said it to each other, said it to their children, and it was a way for God's people to, to recount what God has done. It was during a time, uh, about a thousand years before Jesus, Psalm 118, King David was a little boy, uh, what most folk think. The time in history was iron was becoming a very prevalent use. We're coming out of the Bronze Age into the uh, Iron Age. We have these uh, sea people, in other words, uh, start waging war. So it was a very uncertain time in the known world, uh, simply because of the weaponry itself becomes very vicious. Uh, there's a lot of carnage taking place. People are conquering other people. And now we have folks, you're not, you're not secure even if you're on an island or a peninsula somewhere because now we have people being able to wage war from far off. And you can imagine if you've never seen a ship before and you're out on the coast somewhere and these ships start coming in and these Vikings or whatever it is, they come off of these ships. And so it was a very uncertain time. About 50 million people in the world at the time 
Uh, and so they're clustered together in these, uh, in these towns or villages and neighbors. Israel, whom is writing the Psalms here, they were sort of, uh, because we're just years away from sort of David standing up to Goliath and that kind of a thing, but you can all imagine sort of Israel in his teen years. They're filling their strength. They're seeing themselves as being able to compete with the other nations in and around them. And this is where we find uh, Psalm 118. And so when he mentions this, this is the day which the Lord has made, he's probably talking about a specific holiday or a feast day as they would call it. He's not talking necessarily about every day. He's not referring to every day, but he's talking about a feast day. I want to refer to every day. But he's, he's probably talking, it would be like us getting up on Christmas and saying, this is a great day. Or Easter, and this is a great day. So when he says this, he is in the midst of a feast time, but he says this, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Stay in the day. It doesn't have to be a feast day, because here's the thing. We live on the other side of the resurrection. You imagine or you can think about all of the Old Testament characters and the New Testament characters before Jesus, everybody looking to this coming Savior and Messiah. Every, and, and the uncertainty about that, who is it, when's it going to happen? Well, we live on the other side of this. We have certain victory. We know the end of the story. We know how this whole thing wraps up. And so, friend, no matter how the day gets for you, you can, you, can have a, you can still have a foundational bedrock kind of praise uh, at, at the very core of your being. Why? Because you know the end of the story. You know that God reigns victorious. You know that no matter how, what, no matter what comes, those who follow Christ and believe in Christ, we have, we have a, we have, we win. We get this. So, here's... Um, the thing about staying in the day, a, this takes discipline. We don't think about this like we do about the other disciplines of the Christian life. Like uh, reading your Bible is a discipline. Uh, and you say, well, I don't know. You know, if you've read it consistently over a, a vast period of time, you've trained that uh, sort of muscle and maybe you don't recognize it, but for new believers or, 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 or folks wanting to have a closer walk with the Lord, uh, reading the Bible is a spiritual endeavor because it's a spiritual book. It's not like just any other textbook. So there's a spirit that goes along with it. And if there's a spirit that goes along with it, there's also going to be a devil that's going to fight it. Praying is a discipline. Have you ever gotten aggravated at yourself for not being able to pray like you think you'd like to be able to pray? Have you ever prayed and then your mind just wonders? And before you know it, you're changing the oil in your mind and in your car, and you're wondering about what's for dinner, and then you say, God, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm supposed to be praying. And then your mind runs, because there's a discipline. You know why? Because it's a spiritual endeavor, and the devil's going to fight it. I would suggest, or I would say, that the devil's going to fight you praying more than he's going to fight you reading the Bible. He worries more about your prayer life. Now, he doesn't like either one of those things, but he begins to get nervous when you take prayer seriously. So praying and reading your Bible, church attendance is a discipline if you think about it. 
It's not now. If you've grown up with it, you probably don't recognize it. But to be, but to uh, but to a new believer or to a, an adult and uh, an adult who comes to Christ to incorporate something like a faithful church attendance, it's not easy to put into your life once it's filled with everything else. And it ta- and it and it's a discipline. And it's a di- these are why the followers of Jesus were called disciples. Right? Because they were disciplined people or they, they were in training. You may be familiar with the word in discipline when it comes to, I, I, I familiarize, or I, I think of it when I think of uh, uh, mixed martial arts. They say, what's your discipline? And your discipline could be jujitsu or karate or whatever. But you know why? Because it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come natural and it's something you really got to work on. Reading your Bible and praying and, and being involved in a spiritual activity like church, it's a discipline and you got to work at it. Staying in the day, that's a discipline too. Reason being is you're going to be pulled from two different directions. Some in the room this morning may, be, uh, may have a temptation to be pulled back into the past. And you're here this morning and, and something's heavy upon your heart, but it happened. It may have happened yesterday. It may have happened 10 years ago. And almost like your life stopped and you were never really able to get over it. And, it, and, and guilt has still, it, it is, is still working on. You've asked God to forgive you. You've asked folks around you to forgive you. And yet you can't move on. You're stuck. And if we, you and I had a time to counsel this morning, you'd say, here's what happened. And it, and it could be something years and years ago. The past is still pulling you back because of guilt or regret. Opportunities that you missed or things that you did that, that now you look and you say, oh, I just, I wish I would have never went there that weekend. I wish I would have never done that. I wish I'd have never met those folks. And you have the past still pulling you back here today, this morning, struggling with the past. Or it could be sort of the reverse of that. It could be the glory days of the past. And you're still sort of living in those glory days. You haven't matured much beyond it. There was something great that happened and it identified you then. And yet you look around sort of your life today and there's not a whole lot of fruit, a whole lot of... A whole lot of um, flourishing going on, but it's still, I still want to sort of recapture that past. Or we may be here this morning and we're frightened about the future. We're not for sure what's going to take place. And I got this thing coming up and I don't know how it's going to go. And I don't know where I'm going to be. And I don't know how things are going to turn out. And the future, the, the, the uncertainty, the fear of the future. And here we've got a, we've got a beautiful, wonderful day. And this day that we have has beauty in it and has blessing in it. And there's something in this day to ring out and to enjoy. And yet, the uncertainty about tomorrow or next week or next month, and I'm not for sure how this thing's going to turn out, causes us to, to steal the joy of this day. So whether it's the past sort of pulling us back or whether we're sort of peering out into the future and there's some uncertainty out there and it just captures my mind to where I'm sitting here this morning in a church service and, my, you know, Pastor I, or, or, or Randall, I, I, I really struggle about uh, paying attention because next Thursday, this is what I got going on. Next Thursday, I meet with the doctor or the lawyer or the, this, the teacher or whatever it is. And I just don't know how it's going to turn out. 
And I've got this thing happening. And there's uncertainty at work. There's uncertainty at home. And the uncertainty of it causes this anxiety and this fear about what's out there. And all along the while, I got blessings all around me. There's blessings taking place in the lives of my children. There's blessing taking place in my own personal life. Blessings going on. But because of the fear of what's out there is stealing the joy of right here, right now. What I am uh, not saying this morning is, I'm not saying to ignore, to make light of past sins. So I'm not telling you, oh, whatever you've done in the past, it doesn't matter, you know. It, it, if you're struggling with it, it does matter. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to overlook or to make light of the past, uh, the, the sins of the past or failures of the There's lessons to be learned there. There's some things that we can extract from the failures and the sin of the past to help us to to be blessed today. So I'm not trying to get you to just sort of sweep stuff under the rug. In Psalm 118, uh, the guy that wrote it said this. He said, the Lord has chastened me. That's, that's, uh, my mom would say, whooped me. Um, And I'm very familiar with that phrase, whipping, not so much chasing, but whipping. The Lord has chastened me sore. Can you relate to that? Any of you ever grow up and you got chastened quite sorely? Yeah, I have too. But watch this. But this is what he says. He says, but I ain't dead. I felt dead before. I felt like she was going to kill me. Here's what he was saying. He is saying, evidently, he still got a purpose for me. I blew it. Now, Listen. I don't want you to get I don't want you to not feel guilty if you should feel guilty. Guilty guilt has a purpose. But it has a shelf life. If you've asked God to forgive you, if you've asked others to forgive you, then you need to forgive yourself. Learn from those past mistakes and failures. God, evidently, it wasn't a sin unto death. You're still here. You're still alive. God still has purpose for you. He's got a reason for you. And friend, he can rebuild your life. Not just to where it used to be, but God can bring, can bring beauty out of the ashes. This is what God does. He's a remaker. He's a remolder. He's a rebuilder. So I'm not saying to to never let sin convict you or or to get you. It should bother you for a purpose. Why? To bring you back to the Lord. And once you do, we're going to move on from it. Maybe everybody in your life has already forgiven you and you're the only one yet. Still being held by your uh, past. So I'm not saying overlook it. Recognize God chastened me. Boy, did, I, did he discipline me over this. But I'm not dead. Nor am I saying not plan for the future. Hey, whatever will be, will be. Just let it come. No, no. Uh, he says this in 118. Send now. He's still planning on success and prosperity. The psalmist says, Lord, I want to be blessed now. And that now is, uh, is not just right here in this very moment. But I want to be blessed for the rest of my life. So he's planning for the future. Jot, and I don't have it in my notes, but you maybe jot this down or remember it, write it down somewhere. There's a difference between wor- worrying about the future and planning for the future. I'm not saying don't plan for the future. 
If you want to have a harvest in the fall, you got to plant in the spring, right? So we understand that. We're not talking about this sort of anything or, or just, you know, whatever comes, let it happen. No ambition, no drive, no planning. App, plan for the future. Think about the future. Make preparation for the future. But what I am saying is don't fear it so much or the uncertainty of it that it steals from today. It takes the joy out of today. All right, so how do we do it? A couple practical things, some of them right here in the passage for us. Others we'll find in other places. But one, start with him. Simple, right? But you'd be amazed how many of us jump up of a morning, we take off, we got other things on our brain and our mind and our heart. And before you know it, we've gotten halfway through the day and we hadn't given much time to the Lord. I don't think you have to have a sweet hour of prayer. I think you could pause for just seconds before you take off of a morning while you're still sitting in your car before you pull out of the driveway. Pause long enough to recognize his blessings that he gave you a day of life. God's given me another day of life. An opportunity to provide for myself, an opportunity to do something for somebody else. But start with him. I love, love, love this verse. I use it all the time because I need it all the time. In the book of Lamentations, the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning. They're new every morning. Oh, Randall, I'm sure God's getting fed up with me. He might be today, but in the morning, his mercy is going to be new. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. I'm just telling you, God's mercies are new every morning. Now, you can take advantage of that, or you can just sit and sour and soak in your own pity, but God's mercies are new every morning. So in the morning, his mercies are new. You need some mercy from God? It's new every morning. He's got a fresh start for you every morning. His mercy is new every morning. And for us not to, and I don't say take advantage of it as to exploit it, but the mercy is there. Why not just sort of bathe in this mercy that is new for me? And so start out every morning with God forgive me and God help me and, and this is what, Lord, let, let me see, give me, the, uh, uh, bless me this day. Why? His mercy is new every morning. So start with him. Somewhere along the line, you'll have to, you'll have to, uh, you know, you'll have to make this time. You say, I don't have time. I get up and I got to get the kids going and I get, you know, I got to get this going and I got to get that going. Hey, you start wherever you can start. Oftentimes for me, seriously, oftentimes for me, I get in my car. Before I take off that morning, I just pause. And it goes something like, God, thank you for giving me this beautiful day. Unless it's raining, then I complain. But uh, thank you for this beautiful day. I look back at my house, and I oftentimes the folks that are in there, my kids, my wife, have all my affection and thank you for those kids. Then I look around the yard at the, the yard that wasn't mowed. Then I do a little fussing and um, write down a note for Tucker when I get home. But other than that, I can stay on target. 
Just pause. Remind yourself of God's goodness and his blessing for you. Number two, see your day from a different perspective. I love this part of the passage. Look what it says. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Now, if you're familiar with ancient warfare, you understand location on the battlefield is not everything, but it's almost everything. And this large place is high, and you can see the enemy coming from way far out, no surprises. And for a defense, this is incredible. And he said, I was in distress, and the Lord set me in a large place. What's this saying? God gave me a different perspective. See, this is what we need. If we're going to stay in the day, you need a different perspective about the day. See it from where God sees it from. This stuff that's got me down and this stuff that's working on me, God, lift me up above it. And let me, let me see it from a different perspective. This is what the Lord can do. Third, I love this. He uses this uh, plural or as, in, uh, as a group, speak encouragement to each other. So, oh, boy, I tell you, I need to work on staying in the day. But wouldn't it be good if you had somebody else around you to help you to do that and you'd encourage each other to do so? He says, we will rejoice. Not just I'm going to rejoice, but we will rejoice and be glad in it. If you've not been following Christ long, you're going to find out very soon that the Christian life, uh, you're going to be more successful if you can have some folks around you to help you. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Yes, you can stand on your own. Yes, you can. It's, it's you and God, and you, got, and you can make a difference. I'm just telling you, in order to be, to, to be successful and to be fruitful, to have some, and you don't have to have a large group, but a few folks around you that you can encourage each other. At other times when you're down, when you're hurting, somebody else can lift you up, and then you can lift somebody else up. So you speak encouragement to other folks who are struggling with the past who are fearful about the future. Maybe the future doesn't scare you. Maybe you're excited to death about the future, but you got folks around you that are. Be an encouragement to somebody else because you know at some point you're going to need that encouragement too. Lastly, and I hate to say this, and I don't mean to be um, like anti-ministry here, but you're going to have to shy away from critical people. Now, I'm not saying you can't help them and to be a minister to them. I mean, this is why the Lord's called you, and this is what he wants for all of his children is to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. But you just got to be sure that they're not affecting your spirit. So if you want to stay in the day, there might be some folks at, the, at your work where you work, in your extended family, or maybe in your own home, which you can't shy away from those folks. I get that. So you're going to have to work on that one. That's a tough one. But there might be some folks who you could shy away from, and they're just critical and judgmental, and every time you get around them, you just feel like you walk away empty. And I hate it, because I want to, you want to be a help and a blessing to everybody, but if they're a drain upon you, you may have to find yourself uh, shying away from them. Here was my prayer. This is sort of where I started out uh, in putting these thoughts together for this morning. And this is some of the prayer that I prayed that I thought I'd share with you and maybe see if you could relate to it. Father, forgive me for not fully appreciating the blessings that are found in each day 
as well as life itself. Forgive me for not fully appreciating. I want to wring out of this day all the blessings you've given me. I don't want to be laying in my deathbed somewhere thinking, oh man, I wish I would have appreciated my family more. I wish I would have appreciated my church more. I wish I would have appreciated this more or that more. I want to recognize it while I'm in it and express it to others while I'm here in the moment. And so, Lord, I have to ask you to forgive me because I haven't always appreciated every day. I get trapped by the past. I'm struggling with past failures or I'm fearful about what's out in front of me. All along the while, I got blessings all around me in this day. And give me the right perspective and help me to stay in the day. Uh, If you can relate to the message this morning, maybe the prayer can be a help to you. Let's pray. Father, we recognize this morning, and not even fully, how blessed we are. Lord, we're in an um, a air-conditioned uh, room in the greatest country on the earth. Not fearful, Lord, that uh, um, the authorities come in to shut us down. We didn't have to meet in secret this morning. We didn't have to whisper our songs. We are blessed. You've been so good to us. So good to us, Lord, that I'm pretty sure we take a lot of it for granted. Help us this morning to be disciplined enough and to be thoughtful enough to recognize the blessings that are going on about us this day and to rejoice and to be glad that others, Lord, without the hope of Christ might see something in us that may make them curious, Lord, about what's going on. What do we got? We got you. And we ought to live like it. We ought to, it, it ought to be seen in us. I pray, Lord, you'd help us. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with me, please, for a moment?